Welcome to the Mondo Neon Show. Argon, Neon, Helium, Xenon, Krypton. Transform and roll out. Hey everybody, it's Max at Mondo Neon. And I have on the show uh, Derek McDonald from Golden West Sign Arts. Thanks for coming on this show today. Thanks for having me. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks, Derek. And we were just chatting up a little bit here. We, you know, a lot of things that get thrown around as far as uh, content and show and show ideas is, is it's great when, you know, I can run across a different artist and find something new. And to be honest with you, uh, you know, I had really only recently been exposed to your work, but it was really kind of one of those things where, you know, you see an artist and you immediately respond to what they're doing and what's going on. Right. For me, yeah, it was really kind of that you know, sign making had really kind of a golden era. People call it that, but I don't think any of this stuff really went away. And to be honest, um, you know, to give viewer listeners a little bit of an idea of what we're talking about, um, Derek is a, a really kind of unique sign painter. He has a lot of different uh, skills, uh, really, you know, you can name it, banners, glass, you know, signs, mm -hmm. really three-dimensional signs. It goes in so many different places, but uh, essentially what led you to becoming a sign painter? Was there like a story behind all that? Uh, I don't know if it's that great of a story, but, um, I guess my, my beginnings were, uh, you know, just generally being, uh, a lover of vintage things, historic things, you know, the older aesthetic. Um, and also I've been into old cars, you know, most of my, my life. And I used to go to car shows and I'd see lettering on, you know, low riders and hot rods and pinstriping. And, um, and it all just kind of, it all just kind of rolled into, you know, me being interested in signs one day. And, uh, I, I remember I was living in Oakland, North Oakland, um, California at this time when I became interested and there was a tattoo shop a couple blocks down from the animal hospital that I used to work at. And they had this um, beautiful hand lettering above their, their door. And it said, Freddie Corbin's Tattoo 13. And there was this really beautiful flowing script and these really great, you know, sign painter-y kind of block letters with a, a cool drop shadow on it. And I used to, you know, on my lunch break, I would walk over there and I would stare at that sign. And again, you know, having been interested in lowriders and hot rods and old cars and, you know, uh, kind of the older vintagey kind of thing um that plus looking at that sign and i just like man i kind of had this realization like somebody somebody does this you know somebody that didn't just come off of a shelf at walmart like somebody made that and uh from <laughs> from that point on i i you know i started hounding the guys at the tattoo shop like who did who did these signs and it ended up being this guy named jimmy the saint who uh, i wouldn't say he was a mentor at all but um i got to hang out with him quite a few times and um you know he he was a really early influence on me. So that's kind of my beginnings. And that was about 15 or so um, years ago, or maybe a little bit more now. And what's cool about that story is it's sort of like, I mean, it was sort of one of those things where it was like going backwards. It's like, you can sort of look at your lifestyle and, you know, and consequences and things that led people down a particular path, you know, to really understand what they seriously like. I like the idea that you sort of could have missed it, but it was sort of this walk uh, you know, walk around the corner that, you know, allowed you to kind of find that happy place. It's sort of, 
is unique. And I think a lot of people make too many rash decisions instead of just sort of, you know, throwing themselves into what they like to do. And so, oh, yeah. you know, you had many options, I'm sure, but, you know, at least you kind of figured out what was hitting that button. And then you were like, I truly need to kind of ask where this is going to go. Cause I generally, this is generally making me happy. Right. Like, oh yeah. I mean, it was, it was making me happy to look at it. And not only that, but there was so much, there was so much mystery behind all of it to me. Like I, it just, it just seemed like such a mysterious world of, like if I can only just figure out who made that or who does this or, you know, obviously, you know, what kind of materials do they use or, you know, where do these styles come from? There, it was just it was just a whole world of mystery. And it still is, you know, uh, to some degree, um, thinking about how old timers did things and, you know, the way uh, they would go about their day to day activities, working in shops and everything and going from job to job. It's still mystery like that I'm always trying to uncover, like how, how were things really done? And, and that's how it started out. And, and it just, it's like a, a, a never ending uh, itch that I have to keep scratching. Yeah. And what's really cool too, is like, you know, how did you turn that interest into sort of like, I don't know, a paying gig, like a lot of artists, <laughs> like sign makers, really neon makers, whatever they are, it, it sort of comes to a point where, yeah, you kind of have to stop dwelling in your room and sort of put it out there. Was it like you going out and being like, oh, I've got the perfect idea or, you know, because you've got this amazing body of work on Instagram and it's it's such a, a cool range between like, you know, billboards to cars to posters to, you know, and that's what I love about sign making is sort of like, it's kind of what you envision it, right? And there's a lot of totally. people really get to that. But was was there like a moment in time where you you know, how could you transition that, that, that kind of like, Oh, I think I'd really like to do this to like, yeah, make, making it a thing. Yeah. Um, I do have a, a story on that. And, uh, <laughs> before I into the details, I'm almost 40 now I'll be 40 coming up here real soon. And man, I don't know if I'd do it at this age, but, uh, <laughs> I was in my twenties when I made the decision to jump ship and quit the day job and all that. And, and that is all well and good. I was single. I'm single now, unfortunately, again. But yeah, I was single at that time. And I was, you know, 20, whatever years old. And yeah, I made made more sense for me to make that jump. But it would be really hard, you know, the older you get. Not to say it's it's never too late. But um, basically, the the what led me to, you know, quit the day job and actually try to start calling this my real job was... Um, I was working at an animal hospital. I, I was a vet tech for, you know, years, seven, seven, eight years and uh, doing this stuff on the side for a couple of years and trying to learn as much as I could. And uh, like a lot of sign painters, I was dabbling in doing signs for tattoo shops. You know, I don't really do a whole lot of that now, but you know, that's a really common thing that the tattoo shop and the sign painter kind of have a, 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 a longstanding relationship that goes way back. So you know, I was kind of doing a, a few things here and there. And I was painting with my buddy Scott at the time. Um, and we were, we were going to a lot of tattoo conventions where I don't know if you've ever been to a tattoo convention, but, uh, you know, some, uh, tattoo artists from all around the world get together and, you know, you can go get a tattoo from your favorite guy if he's there. Um, and, uh, I was getting tattooed 
by my friend Chris uh, from Reno at the San Jose Tattoo Convention, and I brought him a sign. And he goes, you know, this would be a, it would be a really good idea if you um, made, you know, as many of these tattoo shop kind of generic, you know, signs as you could, and like get a vendor space at a tattoo convention. You know, they're probably a couple hundred bucks. You show up, you set up all these signs that say, you know, like tattoo parlor and cash only and all that typical tattoo shop kind of sign stuff. And uh, all the tattoo artists that are working the convention, while, when they're walking out to go out to their smoke break, they're going to see these signs and they're going to buy them. And, you know, you'll make a bunch of money and it'll be a success. And I'm thinking this sounds crazy. And my buddy that I was paying with, you know, sounds crazy. He thought it sounded crazy, but we did one. And um, the very first one we did was the, the Lady Luck, I think it's called Reno Tattoo Convention in 2008, maybe. And we each made like 15 signs a piece, you know, little things, nothing big. And we set up a vendor booth and we sold out and it was like instant, you know, and now in retrospect, you know, if I, I luckily I don't have pictures of all that work, but like it, it sucked. It wasn't good. It was bad. You know, I, there was a lot of things I need to needed to kind of reverse engineer and relearn or, um, you know, I skipped a lot of fundamentals in the beginning. So the work I was putting out then, I don't even, I wouldn't even be proud of, but well, Still, I just, I, what I like about that idea, though, is just sort of like, you know, go, go to where your, your audience is. I mean, that's clearly what you're saying is that that's right. If you've yeah. got to start somewhere, yeah. start, start with the obvious. And Absolutely. I think some artists just overwork themselves or put themselves like almost paint themselves into a corner, no mm-hmm. pun intended, mm-hmm. but like they <laughs> almost think that they have to do all of this heavy lifting by themselves. And I think the sure. coolest part about that is you just sort of were like, you know, where do people that like signs hang out and you figured it out? <laughs> like yeah. That's well, and I got to give, like it's one Avenue, I, I, but it's, you know, I got to give credit to, to my buddy, Chris in, in Reno, uh, who still lives there and still tattoos there. It was, it was his idea. And, um, you know, I, I only personally, I only did a few of these tattoo conventions and, um, then I felt like I wanted to move, move on, um, broaden my horizons, uh, kind of even slow down and, and kind of take a few steps backwards and kind of, um, in the learning process. And I, later on, I was able to, uh, hook up with some, some older guys and get some mentoring and things. But, um, so I only did a few conventions, my friend who I was painting with at the time, he continued on to do a lot of that stuff. And I think to this day, um, is that's primarily what he, um, what he makes a living off of is still the tattoo thing. Um, I don't do as much as that as I used to, but yeah, especially at that time, um, 2008, 2009, a lot has changed since, since then a lot of, um, uh, um, general public awareness of hand painted signs has like amplified in the last five, six, seven, eight years. Why? I don't know. Um, I have a good reason. I actually think it's because of social media. Like it's accounts. Like right. yours. I mean, it's people are becoming um, intelligent to what's going on. And I mean, we can make arguments about that all day long about people not understanding how a sign is made versus how neon is versus yeah. accountability towards, you know, the creation of other people calling LED. A, you know, there's so right. many aesthetics to signs, right. But it creates sure. a scenario where, you know, you're leading people through the process, you know, like you're making people understand why it's important and what's significant and why you're, you know, so 
I don't think it's through serendipity. I think it's because you've, you've brought people value because you're posting pictures and behavior and things around that nature that show people that this is a real thing and that it's not just rolling off of a press. And that's, yeah. I think, you know, and people I think are, I mean, they have poor EQ because they're just sort of saying, oh, this is just really easy, but no, you're showing that they're even the process stuff. Like, Hey, here's the first image of people of it going up. Here's the second image of it almost done. And here's the final product. So I think sign painters have done an excellent job of sort of telling their, their story. Like yeah. here's the effects of doing good business. And here's kind of the changes or the ingredients, if you will, that are going in the soup. Like, and I think that that's led to many of their success. I think so. I don't know. Those are the traits that I think that come across to me, at least what I'm observing online. And um, yeah, I think that's, uh, I think you're right. I agree. Um, social media is especially Instagram, um, has definitely put a spotlight on a lot of things and, and yeah, because what would happen before that? Like you try to claw to get your way into a signed magazine. Like that's, I'll tell what, people you, had, that's what people had to do, or you hope I'll the guy would walk exactly. down the street and see. <laughs> what, what I did was, um, you know, before Instagram, this is, this is after I decided I'm not going to do a bunch of these conventions. Like I was mentioning earlier, you know, I did a few, maybe, you know, five or something. And uh, I decided, you know, I think I can produce work that's decent enough to where I I just want to open a shop. You know, this is, this is before Instagram existed. um, I think smartphones existed, but I certainly did not own a smartphone. I didn't own a smartphone until about three years ago. So I didn't mess with any of that stuff. I wasn't on Facebook or anything. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I am, you know, I'm on social media now, obviously, but point is what I did was I'm just going to open up a sign shop, a physical, actual street storefront sign shop. And, uh, uh, that was the only way I knew how to make myself, my, make my presence known in my community was to open up a shop. Um, now I wouldn't feel like I needed to do that because social media is just a big yellow pages ad or a big radio advertisement, you know, in modern times, as far as I, you know, am concerned. And uh, there's really no need for a street front shop anymore, but that's what I did to, to get myself out there that was kind of my next step. Yeah. Well, also too, I think like, you know, there's nothing wrong with, with brick and mortar. I mean, we're seeing it all the time, but with COVID and now and situations around, you know, I think longevity wise. um, Yeah. I mean, it's just, you're, you're sort of, and I tell this all the time on the show and I really promote it a lot because, you know, I want people to be sort of their own media company in a lot of ways. You're seeing a lot of people transition over to, um, you know, just, you know, a lot of different, interesting, you know, curiosity. Like I think a lot of people are interested. They don't necessarily want to do any of this work, but they would like to watch hours of it online happening. Like, I think there's people out there who just want to watch sign painters paint all day long. Like, I think that yeah. that's interesting, you know, or you satisfying. Know. everybody always says that's such a satisfying video. Um, you know, I think people and, and me included, I like to watch the process of something being done. You know, I, I'll get on YouTube and I'll watch you know, somebody do a craft or something that I have no desire to do, but I'm just fascinated by, by the process. <laughs> I, so equate, I, I equate, I equate that I to it. watching the food channel and watching people make recipes, but you'd never make it in real life, but you want to watch I, it. <laughs> man, uh, that's, that's such a good example. I'm vegan. I've been vegan for 22 years and I will watch a cooking show, somebody making, you know, <laughs> hamburgers or steak or, you know, something I would never eat. And I'm just like, wow, this is, 
this is cool. And it's, you know, something I would probably find disgusting if it was in my, my house. Well, I just like cool. to watch the process. Yeah. It's, well, it's like, it's like learning soft skills. Like, I think that, you know, I guess, where, where did you learn when you, you know, when you first jumped on the scene? If to me, it sounds like just, uh, uh, you know, creating a lot of work and quickly sort of trying to figure out how to make it better. And I think that you, yeah. you branded yourself as a sign painter. Is that kind of how you see yourself as an artist now? Do you, do you communicate with that with clients and whatnot? Cause I see a lot of really great work going out the door and is it easy for people to find you that way? Or are you kind of, um, you know, people locate signs that you do, or do you go out there more and sort of work with particular clients? Um, well, my life right now is kind of interesting. Um, I don't know. I, so like I mentioned, I had a, I had a storefront shop. This was in Berkeley, California. I had that for several years. Um, and I was just cranking out work in the Bay area. And also, um, I had somebody running an Instagram for me. Um, I never looked at it really until, you know, a few years ago. Uh, so now fast forward to now and, um, to answer your question, how I'm getting out there, I'm not really as much as I used to, because I don't know if you knew this, but I actually work for, I'm a sign painter at Disneyland now, um, as my primary way of supporting myself. I actually work for the Walt Disney company at the Disneyland park in Anaheim. And I do sign painting, lettering, and pinstriping for that company. And, uh, now in my off time, in my spare time after work and on the weekends, I'll do Golden West Sign Arts projects. So, um, and I'm pretty much doing local business uh, and a few Instagram connections here and there. Um, so just whatever kind of comes down, comes down the tubes. And if it's something I'm interested in, now that I work for uh, the Disney, the, the park, um, I can be a very picky and very choosy about what kind of work I, I take on for side work now, nowadays, but I used to, you know, for, for 12 years, I depended on it a full time to support myself. So I kind of, at one point I had to take on whatever I could just as long as it was hand painted. And I, I stress hand painted and also no computer, you know, no, no aids at all. Like that's my only, um, kind of my only standard really is as long as, or, or my standard was well that's what's when really i was cool supporting about the, myself. You know, the major part of that of of i think the disney experience is is really sort of the park elements around it like it's the ability to sort of segment people and kind of drive them into this sort of uh, part of history like i uh, you know when you look at anything that's in the park it's you know um uniquely put there and I think these sort of attractions and appearances give off, you know, kind of the bigger, the louder kind of rides. But I think what's cool about sort of the Walt Disney production is its ability to um, kind of hold on to that fantasy land. And at the same yeah. time, you know, give people a sense of, of um, attachment to a lot of these properties, you know, oh, yeah. like when you think of the construction of how this stuff was made, I mean, you had Walt Disney who imagined stuff that people just couldn't, foresee or even his you know his colleagues were like why are you doing all this and he was like yep. well i imagine it being this you know i imagine it being this place that everybody can come to and it's sort of like a now it seems so you know rudimentary but like back then there oh, really yeah. wasn't anything compared to except like the local carnival that would come to town with like you know like these rides yeah. that were half falling apart and things like that so 
art and just bare metal and and <laughs> there'd be garbage and gum you know chewed up gum on the ground and when walt had his vision it was like uh like you said people people didn't people couldn't see it in their mind's eye what he saw because it just didn't exist yet but he saw this nostalgic and also you know he has some kind of quote like one one foot in the past one foot in the future um but but very clean very family friendly um you know and and uh transporting yourself into another world you know into a different time different place and uh that's the you know that's what they still do to this day and and i can tell you by um from my my experience of working there that it's very detail oriented and um uh, they still care very much about about that you know the the uh, waltz vision and so it's a pretty cool place to work it's been a it's been a really interesting experience i've had there also too i think there's just a transition that is that you know i was going to ask the next question which you know were there other times that you'd worked you know jobs outside of your career that a sign picker that you sign maker that you kind of lean on i bet you a lot of the stuff that you learned sort of being a vet comes back like the organizational standpoints or, you know, bookings and considering all these different sort of um, elements of the process, you know, do you look back on the things that you did and kind of, you can learn on other jobs that you bring back into the Disney stuff or vice versa? You know, the, the thing that I really gained so much from, from the, uh, the, the vet, the veterinary job um, is mostly I've found is the, uh, the ability to handle, a stressful situation because so what obviously the skills that I learned at that job don't really correlate with what I do now. I was doing blood draws and x-rays and, you know, surgical assistant and things like that. Uh, but I learned how to, I learned how to handle emergency situations and very high, uh, high stakes situations with, you know, animals and life and death and things like that. So, when I'm faced with a quote unquote stressful situation in the sign world, it's like, it's like nothing compared to, <laughs> compared to what I was, you know, you know, it was just like, back, you're like, yeah, I got this. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's, that's, I think that's what I've, um, I've noticed a lot is, is whenever something seems like an emergency, I'll think like, it's really not, you know, just take it easy. It's just a sign you know, um, that's good advice for people that have like clients that like pushing the edge. And there are people who can be difficult and let's not uh, downplay that, but yeah, the reaction is that there, you know, there's not that, you know, there's someone got a little water in the face. It's not like anybody's going to die. And, uh, right. Right. Yeah. I think that's a great statement to make, which is sort of like, how do you plan for something? But like, what do you do when things go wrong? Cause they can like sign making is awkward and young can break things like that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And you know, it's good to keep sort of a level head on the situation. Right. Cause yeah. like you're, you're the one leading, you know, if you fall apart, then everything else is going <laughs> to, then the whole show's over. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it's definitely important to uh, take it all seriously and deadlines and, and, you know, the respect for the customer, but the, at the end of the day, you know, it's not, it's not, uh, we're, we're not, we're not building rockets, you know, it's like, it's, it's just a sign, you know, it, everything will be okay. And, uh, and that's served me well, actually it's, it's, um, I've had some stressful situations and some tight deadlines, but I've been able to handle it pretty well. I've, I've been pretty lucky actually with customers and I've had a really, really great 
however many years this has been, you know, I, I don't have a lot of complaints, honestly. What, what, you know, when you look at your career so far, is there, you know, what would you say somebody who's new to sign making in general, like should someone work for free to get their foot in the door or is it a situation where they should just, you know, land their first, you know, let's say if they're having issues getting their feet on the ground, like, do you recommend anything for those types of people who are listening? Beginners. Um, I would say really, really think ahead, you know, and realize how important the fundamentals are, you know, as far as getting your layouts and your, um, you know, your basic alphabets down and being able to uh, draft the letters on the spot. And, you know, just as far as technique goes, you know, um, really focus on the fundamentals, really, really lean heavily on the, on the simplicity and the fundamentals, meaning, you know, block letters, script, thick and thin. Um, and, uh, and, and, and also, um, okay, so I've got a kind of a mentor. He's, he's a teacher now. Um, his name is Mike Meyer. He's a sign painter from Minnesota. He lives in Iowa now. And he gave me a piece of advice that I would like to relay to anybody kind of in the beginning stages. Um, he, he taught me, show what you want to sell, which sounds simple enough, but man, it's, it was such a good piece of advice. And, and he, he came out to, uh, from Minnesota, he came out to California to visit me a few times and he put that into practice. You know, we were sitting at, around at my shop and, you know, there was nothing going on. So he put this show what you want to sell thing into action. And he goes, well, you know, that pizza place that we went to last night, let's make them a couple signs. You know, you don't, you don't do work for them. You go there all the time. And and I'm going, oh, yeah, they never ask for anything. They know I have a sign shop or whatever. So anyway, we're sitting there and he's such a go-getter and such an ambitious guy with so much energy. We end up making my favorite pizza place, you know, like three or four signs in a couple of days. We go back and we show up and he's like, here's some signs we made for you, you know, and it says like have a slice and a soda or, you know, whatever, just little things. They were so thrilled that ended up being a long standing customer of mine for years and uh, it was all because Mike put into practice that show what you want to sell. And whether that's, you know, giving a free sign to your favorite coffee shop as a gift, just, just put your work out there and social media, you know, if you want to attract a certain type of work, just put that on there and, and show it. Um, I don't take pictures of every single thing I paint or I don't post every single thing I paint. Um, because I don't necessarily want to get certain types of work back. So when I was in the, the San Francisco Bay area running a shop, I was doing all kinds of corporate logo things and all that stuff. I, I'm not going to put all that um, on my, on my social media. Cause that's not really what I want to do actually uh, style wise. So um, yeah, kind of to, to answer your question, show what you want to sell. That is a, that is a really good piece of advice that helped me. That's an awesome piece of advice. I think for a lot of people, like it help generally spur them on to getting kind of that first kind of career move. And I think, yeah. for a lot of, you know, you're, you're booked out a lot. I mean, obviously you have clients and, you know, things going on. Is there, yeah. um, you know, what you, you know, excited about something coming up that you want to lay the groundwork for, or just let our listeners know more about? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm really in this for, um, like I mentioned earlier, when I was saying what kind of got me into this was I've, I've always just loved history. I've loved 
that kind of like nostalgia and old school stuff. And, uh, so I'm a sucker for that. Uh, so I, I've been lucky enough to lately, as of late, as of the last couple of years, be kind of the go-to sign painter for a company in Los Angeles that restores old buildings and, and, um, brings the old businesses back to life. Uh, this company is restoring uh, iconic Los Angeles hot dog stand called Tale of the Pup. I want to say it's from the 40s. Um, and I've already restored their neon sign can that had uh, hand lettering on it. And uh, I'm going to be able to, in the near future, recreate all the old signs from all, all the old photographs of this place uh, once the project gets going a little bit more. So that's, uh, you know, that's not like the biggest, craziest thing and it's not going to make me a million dollars or anything. It's just a few little funny signs, but. Yeah. But you're really, super jazzed about it, right? Like that yeah, sounds really, so cool. I am, Any, anybody yeah. listening to this is actually a really, it's a real, a real place in, uh, is it West Hollywood? So I've, I've done right. a little homework on it. It is actually from 46. You're right. It was a California yeah. hot dog stand in the shape of a, of a giant hot dog. So it's actually, exactly. it's like this last surviving uh, mid 20th century building that yeah. was built in the shape of the product that they sold. So I'm a big fan of, of giant shaped products that sell the thing that it's selling. <laughs> yes. It's genius. It's genius. It's so American. It's so California. <laughs> and I mean, you talk about those artists with pop art and Andy Warhol and all that stuff that happened. I mean, Listen, this is a, a, a direct byproduct of, of a lot of that stuff. You know, we, despite all of our earnings and things like that and commercial things that we've done as a country, um, we need to kind of go back to what works. And I think those things are really important. Those destinations yeah. or those landmarks that are still around are, are really partnerships with the community. And I think it's a great idea that they brought it back. Um, yeah. You know, and it's in, in despite all of the COVID situation, I mean, we're now seeing a lot of people go out and support their local business because they understand what's at stake. You know, like everybody's been around the corner and the place they used to go to the eat every day is now gone. So right. understand that those developments. And I think with the, what we're seeing online is a direct representation of that is a lot of sign people are saying, Hey, look, you know, go out and, and do things and make art, but be, be, you know, aware of the things that you're, you know, uh, buying and, and putting into your businesses. And I think a lot of, of, of people are responding, are responding to that, especially at the local level. Um, and I right. encourage people, if you do have work that you want to put out there, um, visit these destinations or at least get connected because there's a lot of, uh, cool things happening, especially with this, that's tale of the pup and, uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. Really excited for that. That's a great. Yeah. Project. Yeah. I'm excited too. Um, I, I, I know the, the neon, the sign can that I, I restored, you know, should be, the, probably the crown jewel, you know, it'll be up there. It'll be up there uh, buzzing. Cool. Well, hey, thank you, Derek, for coming on the, the Mondo Show and I appreciate what you're doing and uh, keep on thank rocking, you. man. Yeah, that was great. Thanks for having me. Hey, guys, hope you enjoyed that show. If you haven't done so, please leave us a review on your podcast aggregator of choice. We have a lot of great neon guests coming up. And as always, thanks for listening.